welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, your weekly glimpse into the life of indie author Paul Teague. Find out how many words got written over the past seven days, hear what's on the planning board, and discover the tips and tools which Paul is using to self-publish his books and get them selling as fast as possible. This is Paul's Podcast Diary, and here's your show host, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, episode number 136 for Saturday the 19th of January 2019 and coming up in the diary this week I'm back to writing after six months doing other things I've got some results from a Fiverr impromptu promo and I submitted the secret bunker for a book bub this week but am I in or am I out let's start with this week's word count so after I think it's six months what month is July is that the seventh month January very much April May June July seventh month so after five months just over about five and a half months of not writing I was back to writing this week. And I'm always very nervous about getting back to writing after a break. I have planned out this trilogy, uh, the most I've ever planned out a book before. I got all the kind of basic, basic plot points there and the, the structure and the characters and everything like that. But that doesn't mean when you start to write on the first day that the story is going to instantly find its form or its flow. And so it was for me. I managed to get my words down. You know my target is always 5,000 words in a writing day and I've hit that target for both days. I always expect to be a little bit slower when I've had a big break from writing and particularly after one like this but it was a bit like riding a bicycle. You just jump on and because you know you could do it you just get your head down and off you go. I did have to, I was slower this time, a lot slower. So normally when I'm firing on all cylinders I'll start to write the minute my wife's out the door which is about 945 and when I'm firing on all cylinders and I've got the story of the characters, I'm just writing, I'll be done by about 1.30 and I'll have sleeped two tea breaks and maybe a microwave lunch in there as well. So it does generally take me about a, an hour to write 1,700 or thereabouts words. It was slower. So today I said to my wife, oh, I'll come into town, I'll meet you after work. And I'd still got about 300 words to do when I did that. So it was slower. But I am... I'm kind of finding the world. I've written I've written light military sci-fi before in that it wasn't entirely military. It just had a military background to it. So The Secret Bunker is that book. But but it wasn't completely military. It was post-apocalyptic with a kind of military flavor to it. I guess you'd describe The Secret Bunker. Whereas this is the first time I've done military. And when I go on to tell you a little bit later about how I'm using a technique that I learned during some of my Christmas and you reading to make sure I've got all key points in each chapter, you'll, you'll see how I'm tied down to that and how it's making me or forcing me to make sure that I've I've kind of captured the key elements of the story. So let me give you the word counts anyway. Thursday 17th, I wrote 5,035 words. So I just crawled over the finish line. And then today, in, in two parts, so I had a, a walk around town in between, I got to 5,434 words. So I've managed 10,469 words this week. Now, you'll know that I'm trying to get six part runs in between now and the end of March. So tomorrow will be a part run day. But next week will be the first week that I try writing 5,000 words each day in my four writing days. Now, it'll be it'll be great. It's quite nice, actually, to warm myself up trying to get 15,000 words done this week. And I have done it before, but I haven't done it consistently. But uh, part run tomorrow, I'm not going to write on that day because, as you know, I'm, I'm a creature of habit. And when I do a part run, 
It's like, you know, I need a little bit of recovery time. I usually get back to the house at 10 and then just come round for a bit and then go and have a shower and then I'm, I'm back at my desk. So it's not quite a routine day on a part run day. So I'm not going to set myself up to write on a part run day, which means I will be writing on Sunday the 20th, 20th which means hopefully I'll have got the first 15,000 words done of this trilogy. And next week's writing goal is another 20,000 words. So it seems remarkable to think that unless I keel over, I've had enough of it or something goes wrong I might have 35,000 words of a book by next Sunday but then you know this is what writers do if they're doing it five days a week most writers who are doing it five days a week and who are self-publishing would do at least 5,000 words in a day they'll be doing 25,000 words a week so I'm still slacking it at 20,000 words but we'll see how it goes I have to say you know I'm very nervous about this because I generally like to have a little bit of space in the week if you if you're looking at your schedule thinking, okay, so I finished my three days of, of day job now, or oh, I've got a day off tomorrow, I actually haven't got a day off, I'm up and I'm writing. Sometimes I think you just feel like you need some space in a week, just a day doing nothing in particular. It really just depends how the rest of the week has gone. So I that's why I'm a bit nervous about this, whether I will stop. But I'm, I'm pretty determined. My feeling is, is that it's only what is it, 12 weeks, 10 weeks to the end of March to get these three books done. If I can push through that pain barrier and, and at the end of it, I might say to you, Joe, I'm not doing that again. I actually prefer writing 5,000 here, 5,000 there with a bit of space in it. But I, I would like to try it and I, I would like to try and achieve it. So, you know, we've started well, 10,000 words in the pot after a five-month break. I'm quite happy with that. I think the, the story's okay. Um, you know, it's going, it's going well. I know who the characters are. I, I know where the story is going. Um, I think there's just little details because it's a uh, military sci-fi. I'm having to check up on, on ranks and things like that. I'm not very really confident of that, but you know, um, that can come back in the edit, frankly. I, I can just call him general, colonel, commander, whatever I call him. That's the sort of thing that can come back in the edit. So it doesn't really matter what I call them. So as I, so long as I indicate rank in a first draft, but to me, that's the sort of stuff that if you fuss about it on a first draft, if you get too fussy, you'll be there researching for hours and you won't get your writing done. So that sort of stuff on a first draft doesn't massively bother me. It's the sort of thing I come back to when I'm, when I'm coming, when I'm coming back to do a, a redraft, a, a more detailed redraft. But this is what Chris Fox will tell you in what is it, whatever his book is about writing 5,000 words or 10,000 words in a day, uh, just don't stop, just write, just get the blooming story out and come back and fuss with it later. And so that's what I'll be doing with this. So as far as this story is concerned, we're still, we haven't kind of confirmed the collaboration yet. We've been exchanging emails on it. So as soon as I can tell you about this collaboration, I will, but I won't give you any details until we've confirmed it. We've been emailing you know, having email exchanges this week, talking about contract details and world details and things like that. But um, because of holidays and other things going on in people's lives, I had to start writing on Thursday because, as you know, I have this all plotted out. And I know if you turn up on the first day and you just do the work on the appointed days, the book gets done. That's how you get a book done. Uh, you don't get a book done by saying, oh, I'll, I'll give it a week until we've sorted it out. You don't get books written that way. So that's why I hit my schedule, you know, come hell or high water. Um, I was writing on Thursday. And so, you know, I want to get the book done. So the, the collaboration, I, I, you know, it's it's progressing well. We're just tying down the details. I actually ordered, because my view of this is, is if the collaboration doesn't go ahead, um, 
my collaborators might hate my writing for starters. You know, they might take one look at it and say, no, thank you very much. Um, you know, or we might not be able to come to terms, but I mean, I think we're pretty well there with, with terms. I don't think there's anything unusual in the terms at all. It's just what you'd expect. Um, and, and so obviously, um, we've got to have some conversations about the world building and the style, but I think I'm pretty free to write in my own style. Obviously, I just have to, uh, this is absolutely fine by me. You just have to absolutely observe the rules of the world because somebody's created this world and, and you mustn't mess it up. Uh, you have to write within it. And I'm comfortable with all of that. But to make sure that these books get done and released, I actually bought three covers this week for it. Now, um, there's a guy called Christian uh, Callas. Now, I think I've, I think he's got an I in his surname, actually. I'm sure it's Christian Callas that I'm telling you. And uh, I just need to check that. Excuse me while well, I do a little bit of research that I should have done before. It's Christian Callias, I thought it was. And uh, Christian, uh, I think, for, for my money, uh, creates some of the best military sci-fi covers around. They're the sort of covers that, if you like your sci-fi, as I do, as you know from listening to interviews on this podcast, the sort of covers where you look at it and you think, whoa, you know, space, battles, aliens, laser guns, that sort of thing. And if, if you like your sci-fi, you'll know exactly what I mean by that. And Christian creates great, just great covers um, really, really great. There are, there is a couple of other people who do covers like that, you know, really spectacular covers. But, um, I've had my eye on Christian's work for a long time. It, it really appeals to me. So I just bought, um, three covers and I've just said to Christian, look, we're not sure whether I'm doing it alone yet or whether we're doing it by collaboration. But Christian also supplies the covers for my collaborators as well. So that makes it nice and easy. So whichever way it swings, you know, I, if I, if I do the covers, I'll just put my titles on it, my branding on it and release the books alone. If the collaboration goes forwards, then uh, that'll be fine. We'll put the branding on for my collaborators, um, you know, as per their wishes. Uh, they'll buy the covers off me as part of the collaboration deal and off we go. But I just wanted to make sure I'd got those covers. You know, I, as you know, I'm a very results oriented guy and these books are getting released regardless of how we do them. Um, I hit my writing day when I need to hit my writing day and that's how the books get written. I'm particularly anxious to make sure I'm writing because I took five months out of, of producing work. So I really, really have to you know, get back on the horse and start producing work this year. So we're having a call on Saturday um, after my park run. I've just given myself an hour to recover from the park run and I'll let you know where we're up to next week. But I've, I've every expectation that that's going to proceed and I will give you all the information as soon as obviously we've kind of agreed terms, signed contracts and we've agreed to proceed with that. Um, so that's all very exciting and it does feel nice to be, to be writing again. I have done some... Uh, promos recently and I just want to talk you through a couple of these and um, I had a Kindle Nation daily and a book barbarian promo last week and I think when I was doing the diary last week I said oh it was about 172 downloads but my book report wasn't updating and I wasn't particularly excited by the results well my, my book funnel did update and I got just short of 600 downloads from those two promos. So it's not, uh, you know, it's not an explosion of downloads, but I have to say I'm happy with that for what I paid. Uh, that was, that was fine. And that's 600 downloads of a free book. And if just a fraction of those people go on to buy the other books, obviously that'll fairly easily pay for the promo. So I just wanted to update you on that. The other thing I did uh, this week, I was listening to Adam Nichols' first interview he did with me. I just wanted to re-listen to it, seeing as he, seeing as he won't come on and, and I can't book him in for an interview at the moment. He's managed to evade me. I thought, well, I'll listen to his old interview. It'd be really interesting to listen through to that. And he'd mentioned at the time 
He's probably not doing it now. But he mentioned at the time that he'd advertised on BK Nights. And if you've been in self-publishing any length of time, you'll have probably heard of BK Nights. They're on Fiverr. And I've, I've seen this for several years and never never used one. I've assumed it was not very good. But Adam had said, yeah, I'd, you know, do all right with BK Nights. And I just did a little bit of digging on the internet, as you do. And I thought, the thing about BK Nights is they do these promos, but where's the site? Where does the site go to? And I found on K-Boards a link showing me where the... BK Knights promos go to. They have a website and a Facebook page. And I just thought, well, really, let's just give it a try. For the $5, whatever it is, by the time you've added the VAT or whatever they do, um, £5.50, or it's less than £5, isn't it? It's $5 something. Um, I just thought, let's give it a try. And it was good. It was very good. I, I'd found no moans about it online. They'd get great reviews. And I got... 218 downloads on Tuesday and 47 on Wednesday. So it was well worth the money for five something dollars, whatever it was I paid for a BK Knights promo. If you compare that, that's what is that? 200 and say 70, something like that. 270. If you compare that with Kindle Nation Daily and Book Barbarian, which were much more than the five dollars, it pretty well gave me the same download if you're estimating all of this the same number of downloads as both of those sites did independently or individually so it was worth doing i would use bk nights again perfectly all right no no problem with it at all so the secret bunker i've done a lot of work on the secret bunker this week and if you're if you're missing the weekly podcast interviews i hope that when i tell you what i've achieved this week because i'm not recording podcast interviews i hope you'll kind of appreciate why they just have to be pushed to the side for a little while. Because this week, um, obviously, I, I do my day job on a, a Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. And when I get home, I used to be recording and editing and, and booking up podcast interviews. That's pretty well what I was doing in the evening. And on a Wednesday, so so sort of Monday, Tuesday was designated for interview nights. And Wednesday, Thursday was dedicated to crypto news podcast preparation and recording and editing. So that took up a lot of my time. But now I've got... I've got four evenings freed up as a, a result of stopping those additional podcasts. So on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, if you remember, I told you last week that Helen Fazal has now got back to me the three books of The Secret Bunker, and they're all past tense now. So I'm doing my last sweep on those books, my last checks on them, and then I'm, I need to republish them. And I had budgeted all week, basically, to go through the Secret Bunker Book 1. So I'm doing the Secret Bunker Book 1 this week, Secret Bunker Book 2 next week, and Secret Bunker Book 3 the week after. And then by the time I reach that point, I'll have finished writing the first military sci-fi book. And then in the evenings, I will be editing that book. I'll be doing my personal edit of that book before it goes to a formal editor. So I got this all kind of planned out. And this was the first week of doing this. Well, I got the Secret Bunker 1 edit done by Wednesday evening. So on Thursday, I actually managed to add it to Vellum. And I got so much done that I submitted the PDF files to Ingram Spark and to, was it KDP Print, whatever it's called these days. And I've got so far as ordering my proof copies. And I was really pleased about that because I want to have the Secret Bunker paperbacks updated and ready for when the real life secret bunker scotland secret bunker in fife opens its doors on the 1st of march because i'm going to send them a load of books so um subject to my physical check of those books to make sure i haven't messed anything up uh, those books are pretty well ready the other thing that happened this week is that i ordered some stickers from vista print and they were only can't remember what they were, they were less than 10 pounds anyway with 
delivering everything. And I got about, I think it's about 24, something like that, 24 stickers. But on these stickers, hang on, I'll just lean over and get them out of my tray. All I've got is they're, they're bright red stickers and they just say the Secret Bunker Trilogy 25th Anniversary Edition. And I planted one on one of my old copies of the Secret Bunker and they sit beautifully on there. And so my idea with this is that um, I'll, I'll send the Secret Bunker 20 books and they can have these stickers to put on them and they can use the books to help them to celebrate and mark the 25th anniversary. There's going to be lots of interest around the 25th anniversary, lots of media interest around the 25th anniversary of the bunker being open. And the way things are going, might need it to open again soon to, to the military. You never know, do you? So um, I just figured I want to be in the flow of that. So um, I've done the paperbacks. I'm not going to release the ebook files, not until I, I sell so few paperbacks other than to the bunker that it's fine for me to have those books. Actually, um, the Ingram Spark one is live, but the Kindle one is is in draft. So I just have to be careful that I release the updated versions altogether. Otherwise, in book one, it's all past tense. And then in books two and three, you'll get mixed tenses. Now, what I'm going to tell you is I'm so much happier with the book in all past tense. It it just doesn't jar between the scenes at all. And if I, I've told you this before, if I got negative feedback about that book, it was about the kind of the present tense and it kind of it kind of worked you know a lot of people had zero problems with it but if the whole point of a book is you kind of want people to read it and not to have anything jar I think and and if something jarred that's what jarred well now it's all past tense it's just a straight through read it's great so I'm really grateful that Helen's done that and I'm very pleased that I've paid to have it done I just feel I can launch the secret bunker and, and sell it, you know, with great confidence now. Very happy with the story too. Um, you know, there's not wrong with that story at all. Um, it did, I did, when I was reading it, it did make me think this is actually great for young adults, stroke older teenagers. This is a really great book for those, but I've never really targeted at them because I haven't got a clue how to do it. So th- there you go. I think it's been read almost exclusively by adults. But as, as I was reading it, I was thinking, I wish I knew how to get this into the hand of kids because you know, I mean, a lot of a lot of kids because it, it would go. I think it would go really well. It's a good book for kids. So anyhow, I'm feeling really happy with that. Very happy that that book's been rewritten. I'll get those proofs probably next week. As soon as I'm happy with them, I'll order a box of twenty, send them to the bunker, ready for the new season, and then send these stickers over to them too, so that they can pop them on the books and make a kind of big deal about them. The other thing also is that I I have a the character, the central character of that book is home educated. It's only a, a sub theme of the book but I did wonder about sending a box to education otherwise too which is the UK home education group because I do talk a lot about home ed there I wondered if they might want them for some competition prizes and things to give to home educated kids so um, that's another idea I had and I'll probably do that as well but I'm really kind of keen to fan the flames of the secret bunker now I am much more confident about it before I tell you about my book bub um, submission results let me tell you one more thing about The Secret Bunker. It did occur to me the other day, this goes way back. When when I'd written The Secret Bunker, I paid to have an audio book recorded. And I it was very expensive because, as you know, I'm a bit fussy about rights and things. I was a bit jittery about signing rights away and things like that. So I went for the, I went for the deal where I paid the uh, voice artist to, to keep all the rights. I didn't do a revenue split or anything like that. And frankly, if I had done... Uh, it wouldn't have cost me anything, you know. I'd have just been able to launch the thing, and I only, and because it was so expensive, I think I, I mean I got it for a deal, but um, I think it was about six hundred dollars. It cost me six hundred pounds, one of those, and and it was it was a good deal for the book, and I sort of launched it, and, and really it was it was a fairly 
other than learning how to do it and what's involved as an educational process, it's a fairly pointless exercise because I didn't have books two and three ready. I had no intention of getting books two and three ready because uh, it was too expensive. I had other priorities, other fish to fry. So I have sold some and I've obviously I've learned how to do it, what's involved. But it just occurred to me that if I'm going to update the book and it's all going to be past tense, that audio is obsolete now. So I contacted ACX this week. And when you sign up with ACX, you're um, you're there for seven years, but I'm not exclusive. I hadn't realised the seven years thing counted. They said it did, but I, I signed up for the lightest deal, so uh, you know I kept I kept the rights. I didn't. I wasn't exclusive on ACX. I could list it elsewhere, um, and and all the copyright was mine. But I, I hadn't seen that that meant I was stuck with Amazon for seven years. So whether I am or not, I'm not sure. But either way, it doesn't matter because they said, they, when I they responded to me, they gave me the standard answer saying, you know, your contract is for seven years. And I wrote back to them and said uh, that the the book is, that audio is obsolete now. It doesn't reflect the book. And I got an email from them this week saying, greetings from ACX, per your request, the Secret Bunker Trilogy Part 1 Darkness Falls has been removed from distribution. And clearly that's the right decision to make because you would be very put out if you bought that audio and it was nothing like the book now because the book has had a kind of a real good edit from Helen and I've come back to and I tweaked a couple of words and things like that just to improve it. So I'm very happy with that book now. And I'm, I, and I, as a first, it was the first book I ever wrote. And I know the teething pains that book had. It had some real teething pains. I'm telling you, uh, it, it feels like a good read having come back to it after all this time. I'm, I'm very happy with the read. So what about Bookbub? I submitted to Bookbub last week, put it in science fiction. And this week, guess what happened? Yeah. Guess what happened? I'm doing that quiz show thing where they keep you on tender hooks. I learned, I learned that trick off X Factor. Uh, I didn't get it. They knocked me back again <laughs> just to put you out of your misery. So it was at five times now for Secret Bunker. They got, they got a bee in their bonnet about Secret Bunker. I don't know what they don't like about it, but what did I say? On the notes, I think I mentioned that I'd completely updated it for the 25th anniversary, but that. They paid no attention to that. Tell you what I did do. I, I was, I probably got this wrong, but I don't care because they could knock me back anyway. Uh, when I was reading it this week, I thought this is really good young adult book. I really ought to try and market this in some places as a young adult book. And I, I, I was reading one guidance page for BookBub and it said you can only, uh, will only promote an author. Was it, you can only submit an author something like once a month rather than a book. I think so it was an author once a month. And then if you get a promo, you have to wait six months for it. And I thought, okay, well, you, you, you haven't promoted one of my sci-fis this month. So I'm going to try The Secret Bunker again in a different category. I don't know whether I'm allowed to do that or not, but I did it anyway. They, they can always not be back, can't they? Um, so I tried it in Young Adult. So let's just see what happens. I've tried it again. And if they knock me back, that's fine. We'll just wait for a month and, and try again. So that's where we're up to with The Secret Bunker. I wanted to mention to you, because I, I found this up last week. I was talking about 2K to 10K by Rachel Aaron. I said I'd read it when I was away. And there were three factors that Rachel suggests that you put into your story. And I've I've put this into my writing technique now, plus one more thing. And I just wanted to, I wanted to tell you this because I thought it was really good. R Rachel says, when you read a chapter, when you're editing or self-editing a chapter, you need to ask yourself, does this chapter advance the story? Does it reveal new information? And does it pull the reader forward? And I, I love easy formulae like that, 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 
to me, that's a really good self-editing test to apply because you could apply it really easily. There's no ifs and buts and babies about it. It's perfectly straightforward. So on each of my pages, when I write now, I've got those questions. Does this advance the story? Does it reveal new information? Does it pull the reader forward? I will apply that test not only to every chapter, but to every section within each chapter to make sure I'm hitting those targets. But also because I'm writing military sci-fi and military sci-fi is action orientated. It needs to have lots of guns, action, explosions and things like that. I've also asked myself, do we have guns, weaponry and action in this scene? So is there something distinctively related to military sci-fi in each scene? Now, I've got to keep my mind on this because I tend to write books that are based very much on people, relationships, uh, characters. That's the kind of stuff that interests me. And what I got to be very careful of is not having kind of too much, say, dialogue. I got to make sure that we keep the action ramped up all the time. And in fact, I was writing the second section today where the characters were having a conversation. And I just thought, do you know what? Enough conversation. We need something to happen. And I smacked a bit of <laughs> destroyed spaceship debris against the side of their ship and, and just interrupted the conversation. Because with military sci-fi, that's kind of how it needs to be. We can't sit around forever. We can have a little bit of discussion, but we need a la- we need a laser zapper, a gizmo, an explosion, an attack. We need something kind of constantly going on. We need this to be action orientated or oriented, whatever the word is. So. Um, those are the tests that I'm applying to each section of the book. Um, this is a, I haven't used this site yet, but it's a site I came across. I just wanted to share it with you. I can't even remember where I saw it now. It's a site called bookbrush.com. And I've never heard of it before, but it says the easiest way to create professional ads and social media images for your books. So and the reason this caught my attention is that on BookBub, if you're doing ads on BookBub, they reckon it's generally best to, uh, and Adam Croft, this is his advice too, reckons it's generally best to create your own um, adverts, your own images, just rather than using their default template. And on the front page here, they've kind of got what is exactly the kind of ad you would want to be putting on BookBub. And so I thought, great, okay, I'm going to hang on to that and take a look at that. Uh, it also has, interestingly, it's got a Mark Dawson testimonial. I hadn't spotted that. Um, and... You, you can have a limited account for free or a plus account for $96 per year. I haven't fully explored this yet. It's one of those things I thought, that looks good. I'm tucking that away. I'm checking that out uh, at a sort of time of my choosing. But uh, that looks like a really useful tool. It's called Bookbrush, bookbrush.com. You've heard me ranting on this diary about changes to MailerLite. And I just wanted to update you with those. Uh, basically, my ranting has been about the changes they're making to the MailerLite editor. And this has been coming, it feels like it's been coming for five, four or five months, something like that. And I know that the first time I had a go of it, I thought, okay, embrace the change. Let's see what it's like. I had a go of it and it slowed me down and I was cussing because I needed to get this email out fast. And I just went back to the old type. And this week I thought, new year. I'm going to be doing another 12 of these monthly emails. I really need to try and move into their new system because at some point, I know how these things work, they'll switch the old one off and introduce the new one or force the new one upon you. The other thing about the new one is, is they've been sending emails out. And there are a couple of nice little things in there that actually piqued my interest. Um, you could do, I think, little surveys, nice little surveys within the email as well. And I just thought, you know, I probably need to embrace this and get on top of it. So I sent out 
the first email using this new mail alliance system this week. And um, what I got to report back on is it will disrupt your workflow as all these things do. I was much slower. It took me forever to figure it out. Well, no, it did take me forever to figure it out. It just felt a bit more clunky and a bit slower. So what I like is the features. I do like the features. I do like the way they've ramped up the features. That's good. But the interface is not as fast as the old one. I'm not really quite sure why we can't keep the feet, the old interface and, and use the, the new features, just integrate the new features. I'm not quite sure why they did it that way because I don't find, I mean, it, it'll take, you'll get used to it and it's not, impossible to use i just didn't feel like it was as quick as the the other system which was just drag and drop is i want this just drag and drop it in now you've got to actually you've got a longer menu of things that you can put into your email uh, features and like images or surveys or videos and things you've got a longer list you've either got to search for what you want or you've got to scroll down a longer list it just feels a little bit more difficult to get what you're after but i gotta tell you you know like all these things i'll probably get used to it and uh, I do need to embrace it because they will switch it off at some point and it's much better for me to be on top of it rather than being forced into it uh, when the change finally happens. So it, it's perfectly all right. You know, it works fine. Um, a lot of it is a bit like going to the supermarket and they've moved the bread. You used to know where it was and now you don't. It's that kind of factor, which I think we all have with softwares. But, you know, it's fine. If you've been putting off using it, uh, bite the bullet. <laughs> it's a new year. <laughs> new year, new you. New mailer light. So dive in there and start using it. And you probably won't even remember the old system in three months' time. I had a great response to my question about using human books. This was my monthly email. Uh, this would have been at the end of December now, wouldn't it? Crikey. Um, but um, I had an email problem. My Paul at PaulT.com email wasn't working. It, uh, something happened. It went kaput over Christmas, New Year. And so I thought all these people are sending me replies and I haven't got them. So what I did is I sent this email out this week from MailerLite. Now I managed to catch up with all these backlog of things I had to do from being away and said to people, sorry, email was broken. Um, I'd love to hear what you say about this. And I got, wait for it, I got 83 responses um, to just a simple question because I was going to ask about violence in books. And I thought that's not a very good topic to use when you just wished everybody a happy new year. So I'll save the violence in books topic for another email. And I'll just ask people about humour. Do you like a little bit of humour in your fiction? Uh, 83 responses, you know, really good stuff. That th This is working so well for me. I can't recommend it highly to you enough. And it's just like perfect research. It's just like author research. So if you're struggling for something to say in your emails, um, just sort of think, what would I like to know? Or what am I not quite sure about with my writing? You know, do what, what do I... Maybe you put funny joke, you know, you put jokes in and you're not sure whether they're hitting the mark or not. Um, just ask your email list. And they, they seem to love it. They're all... I think 80... I've never had 83 responses to anything, I don't think. I mean, that's that's really good. So I'm, I'm very happy with that, and I'm going to keep that up. And I say, when I when I get round to it, probably when I've got in my flow with these books, I don't think it'll be before the end of March. I think I'm trying to find a new routine at the moment. But I, I think uh, I'd like to pull some of these responses together as blog posts and share them, because they're ever so interesting for, for writers. I got a great email from Robert Scott Norton, this week and uh, Robert you can hear interviewed in episode 65 of this podcast and Rob is a fellow sort of Doctor Who Star Trek sci-fi fan likes the same kind of things as I do but he'd been listening to me talking about my mail alight and he says that he's been tracking his stats for a while and he's shown uh, he's sent me some screenshots of, of kind of the work that he's been doing now what I've done uh, with Rob's permission I've shared his whole email plus the screen screenshots on the show notes for this week. So if you head over to selfpublishingjourneys.com, 
Um, I'm just going to summarise what Rob says here, but I highly recommend you look at it and take a look at the images that Rob has put there. But um, he, he's kind of been wanting to do something since the GDPR date. I think GDPR was useful because it forced a lot of us to reconsider what we're doing on, you know, on email. And Rob wanted to get rid of unengaged readers from his list. Um, and he'd also, he, he got his list quite high. And as I've already said on this diary, the problem with email lists is as, as you get more people on the list, the, the, you pay quite a lot for it. It goes up quite quickly. And I think you generally want to be sure that those people are engaged with you, not just tire kickers, because you're paying for them. So Rob first used the clean up inactive uh, viewers feature. Um, and that's got a built into mail. It's a nice thing. You just, if you just go in there, it'll just tell you if they've, if they're inactive and you can just delete them. I think it's for six months, something like that. If they haven't been opening emails. You just get rid of a load of them at once without creating segments and things like that. But the reason I wanted to mention what Rob said is this, I'm not going to go into this. I'm just going to put it on the show notes, as I say. But, um, Rob used a system that he'd heard about in 20 books to 50k, uh, creating segments to kind of clean up his list and make it more, meaningful and he's also been following advice from Tammy Lebrecht who wrote newsletter Ninja. Now I've heard about Tammy for a long time because I've been doing internet marketing for a while I just I I was wary of buying the book because often when you've been doing it for a while you read a book and you think you know I I know all this I kind of need I need something more all about the lead magnet stuff and all that sort of thing I and I and and I just thought it'll probably be more of the same kind of stuff but um I've bought it now because uh uh, Rob has, has recommended it to me. There's really good advice in there. Um, but his kind of open rate, and he, he'll show you the graphs of the improvement. He's been monitoring all of this stuff. His open rate has rocketed as a result of following the procedures uh, that he got from 20 books to 50K. And um, he's been very generous. He shared screenshots. He's, he let me share the graphs, all the data. And that's all on the show notes for this week. I, I won't do it justice if I explain it here. I, I suggest that you recommend, I recommend that you read his email and take a look at the screenshots because that tells the whole story. Finally, for this week, I, I think I mentioned before Christmas that I got Book Tracker. So it's Book Tracker and Tracker is spelled T-R-A-C-R. And I know that when I signed up for it, the interface looked a bit, you know, 1990s, to be honest with you. Um, that, that would be my view of it, which doesn't matter if the software works. It doesn't particularly matter, but it did look a bit 1990s to me. And it took forever. I linked up all my accounts and it took forever. Was it Google to bring in? I think it, it, it didn't send me an email to say, we've got your Google account drawn in now for, for over a month. So it, it wasn't great, but when I got that email over Christmas saying, we've, we've now got your Google data, I had a look at it and thought, right, okay, what, what, what's this doing? What's it showing me? And I, it's only something like $11 a year. And so I thought, oh, we'll get that for a year and just, you know, see what it does, see what the data's like. But I kind of ended up, um, I, I maybe did it, I, I don't know what I did. But and clearly, I kind of know, I do know one end of a software from another. I'm not kind of complete blundering idiot with softwares, but I ended up paying and cancelling because it wasn't clear that you paid. You sort of click the button, you think, am I paid? Did I pay there? It, it's just not a very clear interface. It turns out, I think I'd paid and cancelled or something. And I, I sent a kind of help desk ticket to say, I, bit, I kind of lost the plot of what I'd done here. Um, am, I, am I supposed to have paid? I should, should I be getting data? And I got a reply and I just thought, I just don't feel like this is quite ready yet. It needs a little bit of work doing on it. So 
Um, I, I probably, I'll probably come back to it and have another look at it. You know, when I'm, I, I'm sort of less busy, I'm very short with things that don't work straight away and require more than a little bit of attention because I've built software in the past. So I'm really kind of big on if I make, if I make a mistake as a, as a confident user, that's an interface problem with the software. They need to be looking at that. Um, I should, I shouldn't be as an experienced user looking at something saying, did I pay? Did, did, did that go through? Have I done that? Um, and now it may also, in fairness, have been because I was in Spain. When you're in Spain, you know, you have all sorts of payment problems and IP address problems and I have to use a VPN and sometimes a VPN works and sometimes it doesn't work. So you have to go through all of this in Spain. So again, it might have been that, but I, I just decided, do you know what? I get data in Draft of Digital. I get data in Published Drive. I get data in Kobo. You know, the checks come in. That's fine. I get data through a book report. I'm just going to stick with that for the time being. And I'll probably come back to it. It, it. My view of it is it's doing a very important job, but the interface needs a right old going over. It needs, a, you know, a bit of user-friendly interface. It needs kind of modernizing. Just needs spruce it up a little bit is my view of it. But... If you're using it successfully and you love it and you have a better experience, just drop me a line and let me know. Uh, but that that's kind of my, that was my view of it. I will come back to it, I'm sure. But uh, it made me too impatient. And so off I went. And this, of course, is what I talked to you about, um, frictionless marketing. Uh, if you make people work too hard, you know, if you get in their way with anything you do online, they'll just go. We haven't got the time or the patience. That's exactly what I've done with BookTrack. I'm sure it's very good software, but it got in my way. It stopped me. It didn't help me. It hindered me. I lost patience with it, and I've I've left it now. And and so that's why you always have to watch online. Make stuff easy. Don't make people look for things. That's the trick to online. Frictionless marketing. It should be frictionless. Everything frictionless online. Okay, so that's my update with Book Tracker. A couple of things to mention on Twitter this week. Uh, Tim Lewis lives uh, leads a hugely glamorous life. He was listening to my podcast diary last week. I'm trying to work out what the brand is. I, I'm hesitating because I think that might be Iceland. Tim, and I don't mean the country, I mean the shop. And Tim tweeted me to say, thought I'd show you the glamorous location I'm listening to your podcast at. So I think it's Iceland. And uh, Tim is in the frozen fish section. So what a rock and roll lifestyle Tim leaves. And um, I also got, uh, who, who's this from? Oh, um, from Edwin Downward, who's, who's also very active on Twitter about this. Um, Edwin tweeted me to say, about Patreon, I decided to keep up the support so that one day you'll get big enough to consider attending the local event called Creative Ink Fest. I know uh, Edwin's very keen for me to come to this event. It's Canada, Edwin. It's quite a flight out there. But um, if I ever do go to Canada, and I would like to go to Canada, then I will try and coincide the visit with Creative Ink Fest, as long as it's not too cold, because Canada gets cold, doesn't it? So it mustn't be too cold when I come out there. And um, Edwin's also tweeted me his desk saying, got my cup of tea and some waffles to keep me going through your latest Paul's podcast diary. And actually, Edwin uh, tweeted a third time this week. I'm just leaning over to get my phone because I, I'm going to forget the name of the podcast. And he was commenting how all the different self-published podcast hosts had been mentioning each other's podcasts. And uh, I think it was last week. I certainly meant to if I didn't do it. I've been listening to two new podcasts recently. Um, that I, oh well, four actually that I'm getting some real value from. So I've mentioned the Awkward Author uh, podcast a couple of times, and um, New Author podcast. Th those are podcasts I'm listening to 
every week. But a, a couple of new ones that I wanted to mention to you, and I'm sure I mentioned this one last week, is the Science Fiction and Fantasy Marketing Podcast, which Lindsay Baroka um, he, uh, he's the, he's kind of one of the figures that I can't remember the guy's name. Sorry, guys. But Lindsay Broker is the name that you recognize probably from that podcast. And then the other podcast, which I didn't mention last week and wanted to, which is a really lovely podcast. It's called The Right as Well. And I can't remember who recommended this to me. Uh, but it's Jay Thorne and somebody else, uh, Rachel somebody. Sorry. Sorry, everybody for getting the names wrong. I'm, you know, I'm terrible with names. Um, but I know that Joanna Penn mentioned both those podcasts and her podcast this week. And I just, I think Edward had been listening to his podcast and I just mentioned Joanna Penny he was just saying how interesting it is that we all mention each other. Um, and that's the indie way, I hope, that we share great info. But I just, I did just want to, it just made me think, I must tell you that I, I'm getting tremendous value from both those podcasts. Uh, the writers, well, it's a really sort of lovely writing podcast. Uh, hosts are, are sort of lovely with each other, very, very supportive with each other. It's really uh, lovely to listen to. And the science fiction fantasy marketing podcast. It doesn't matter if you're not science fiction fantasy. It really doesn't matter. Um, I've heard some of the best marketing stuff that I've heard on that podcast. Uh, I picked up a tip while I was listening the other night, uh, a little Amazon ads tip, which I implemented immediately from that podcast. So highly recommended, particularly for implementable marketing stuff. That's it for this week's podcast diary. I still feel completely out of routine. I've no routine at all at the moment. You know, my wife's working different hours. I'm writing different hours. I'm not in the swing of it yet. And it's cold outside again. It's been lovely and mild this week to break me in. It's been really cold again this week. And I want to go back to Spain again. So I really don't like the cold. I, I was saying to my wife, we were walking into town. And I hadn't realized this. The reason I like Spain is I don't like going outside in this country. It's always cold. Uh, but I love going outside when I'm in Spain. I go outside a lot because the outside is like an extra room in Spain. You just kind of walk out there and there's not this sudden, you don't have to brace yourself to walk outside in Spain. Uh, even in the winter, you don't have to brace yourself to walk outside. It's always lovely and, and sort of, you know, mild. And I, I think that's it, that outside is an extra room in Spain. Um, whereas in, in the UK, it's so darn cold. Anyhow, enough of me moaning about the weather. I've got another 5,000 words to write on Sunday. Hopefully, I'll achieve that and let you know in next week's diary. If I hit my targets when I speak to you next Friday, I will be halfway through that first book, which seems remarkable to me. Can I keep it up? you find out next Saturday. In the meantime, have a great week of writing. Bye-bye for now. Thanks for listening to Paul's Podcast Diary. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing.